Hello and welcome to Talk Spooky to Me, the Ghost Story Guys Mail Show. I'm Brennan Store. I'm Paul Bestall. And this is our opportunity to hear from you, our listeners. Paul, my friend, how are you doing? I'm very well. Very well. Busy, but in a good way. Good, good. Yeah, I, I, we were saying before air that you were planning to have some time off after Paramete, and that really hasn't quite, quite happened yet. No, not yet. Yeah. No, same here. I'm just getting ready to go to Revelstoke. Once we finish recording this, I have to go pick up the rental car for the trip, and then uh, still have to do tonight's episode of Weird Together, the live stream. So it's going to be a long day, another in a series of long days, but hopefully I get some sleep tonight. Yes, when I was younger, I used to say, I'll get all the sleep I'll need when I'm dead. But I remember those days as I had energy. <laughs> that, that is the difference. <laughs> yeah, not to be those guys, but appreciate your energy now, kids. Yes, you young whippersnappers. Continuing along that theme, I had a, a sort of a funny coincidence happen the other day, which I thought I'd mention here because I figured you'd appreciate it. So when I was down in uh, AFI Fest in LA back in 2016, I think it was, 2015, 2016, mm-hmm. I was down watching all these movies. And the pass I had granted me access to a bunch of the after parties. And it was at one of these screenings, I met this retired LA County civil servant named Jerry. And Jerry and I got along like a house on fire. We watched, I think, Pablo Lorraine's Jackie together. We went to the uh, after party together. He goes to movies all the time, so we were talking about movies. And Mm -hmm. I I think I've mentioned this story before, because he almost cold-cocked a very pregnant Natalie Portman by accident when he was drunk. He was waving his arms around, and she was at the party kind of circulating. She's quite a short lady, and he almost smoked her with his elbow, not unintentionally. He didn't realize she was there. And I thought the security guards were going to break him in half. Again, generally speaking, mild-mannered old man, just boom, tackled to the ground and beaten because he nearly cold-cocked Natalie Portman. (laughs) Anyways, so met with Jerry, had a great time. We kept in touch for a while, but not much. And then the other day, I was going to Floyd's, which is my neighborhood diner, for breakfast. Mm-hmm. And I was in the lineup behind this, this older gentleman, and mm-hmm. he had a very smart hat. And so I told him, <laughs> I said, you, ha- you have a very smart hat. I like your hat. We were talking about hats. And then it came out, you know, we were, oh, where are you from? He was visiting from, uh, from the city of Calgary. And it turns out that he knows one of my former teachers from Revelstoke <laughs> just by random chance. But not only that, he is also a retired civil servant named Jerry. <laughs> and we got on like a house on fire so we ended up having breakfast together so <laughs> apparently Fantastic. my type is retired civil servants named Jerry well I'm glad for you Bo <laughs> <laughs> whatever it takes I suppose whatever it takes <laughs> takes all sorts alright well this is of course the mail show and we have some fabulous listener mail including uh, what I think will be another salvo in the war of Narnia the great Narnian <laughs> conflict. Forget Clamato juice. Reepicheep is on the warpath. <laughs> yeah, I've brought, I've brought evidence. Yes. So we will get there because it is time to check the mail. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. All right. So first up is from Kim. If you're ever hard up for something to do, I hardly recommend listening to your podcast and taking a shot every single time Bren says the words Revelstoke or Victoria, as well as every time Paul giggles or says, mmm, while, tell- while listening to a story. Bonus, finish your cocktail every time Bigfoot comes up. You'd be in <laughs> for a good time for sure. Love the show and you both. Well, Kim, um, I mean, the two problems there. One, having either of us ever having spare time. And uh, 
having to listen to the show again, which I just certainly will never do. Because I've had thoughts about like trying to figure out a way to categorize our show, you know, add metadata to the show notes on the website. So we'd have like, oh, these are the episodes of Shadow People. These are the episodes that have Dogman. But I just can't bring myself to listen to them again. I just can't. Once it's done, to me, it's, it's done. You, I have no son. <laughs> yes, I've never liked listening to myself. Which is funny, because we have to do it so much when we edit our respective shows. <laughs> God, yeah. I know. <laughs> I have like four podcasts, Paul. I, it, it really sucks. <laughs> I got a lovely email from someone who was saying that they were disappointed. They've changed jobs and their new job. They're not allowed to listen to podcasts, but they've listened since episode one. And I said, oh, well, that's it. it's a shame. I said, well, um, you know, thank you very much. I said, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm just glad that you've got yourself a new job because, you know, that's the most important thing right now for a lot of us is making sure you've got enough money to put food on the table and do what you need to do. And to Absolutely. be fair, I don't understand why anybody wants to listen to my voice, but they have it. <laughs> See, and I don't understand why anyone would want to listen to mine. Sam writes, here is the story of my first Bigfoot encounter. I remembered this when listening to your latest episode that had the story about the panic-inducing deer. My dad, grandpa and I were going to spend the night fishing on my grandpa's pontoon. We set up all the gear on the boat around 11pm when it was good and dark on a summer's night. I was excited because I loved staying up all night fishing and hanging out with my dad and grandpa. It was always a fun and silly time. We got settled and started motoring up the lake to a secluded fishing spot, surrounded by cliffs and forests. The moon was not really bright that night, so it was pitch black on the lake, and the trees around it just made it even darker. It was getting really late, and my dad had started telling me scary stories. I wasn't buying it, though. We had a family tradition of trying to spook and prank one another, so I was prepared for his nonsense. So I thought, suddenly... We all heard a loud, and I mean loud, echoing and all airy growl or scream from the wooded cliffs surrounding us. I nearly jumped out of my skin. My dad turned the spotlight and aimed it at the trees. I yelped, what was that? Grandpa let a little half laugh out and smiled. That's a Sasquatch. I whipped around to my dad who had a shit-eating grin. Oh yeah, they're known to be out here. I guess I looked like I was about to cry because my dad let out a chuckle and said, We're playing. That's just a deer blowing. I did not believe them. I was on the edge of my seat the rest of the night. The next day, I used our shitty dial-up internet to look up YouTube videos of deer blowing. Turns out dad was 100% right. It's the exact sound we heard amplified by the cliffs and my anxiety. I'm not a hunter, but I'm in a rural area and being in the woods. So I've heard deer blowing since. It really is creepy to hear, especially when you're in the woods alone. But it's completely normal and a natural sound for deer to make. I always remember my first Bigfoot encounter when I hear it, though. <laughs> That's cute. I love that. <laughs> Gotta tell you, I uh, did a double take when I saw deer blowing. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, these are things I did not expect to know about in my middle age. And I'm aware of lots of sounds that normal animals make that are very odd. I do have to know, what is a deer blowing? It's like they're going... Oh, okay, okay. Like that. I thought there was something I was missing. Like, again, you know that scene in, in Fear and Loathing when <laughs> Hunter S. Thompson is, like, doing acid off the guy's jacket? 
and the square guy walks into the bathroom and Thompson jokes that for the rest of his life, he's going to think that men in flannel jackets are getting up to things he can't possibly understand in every bathroom. Mm -hmm. And I just sort of, he's like, maybe there's the equivalent with deer blowing. Maybe there's something I'm, I'm missing out on, but nope. Okay. Nope. That's good. <laughs> kind of pity the deer. I was excited for them for a minute. Good for you guys. Well, you know, if you've ever seen a horny deer try and say hello to a human, it's, it's not fun. Now, I'm probably going to regret asking this. Under what circumstances have you seen a horny deer trying to say hello to a human? Well, you know, late at night, YouTube, social media, people share all kinds of clips, don't they? And, and uh, animals can sometimes be overly randy with people. Okay. All right. Well, let's not interrogate that any further. Yes. Moving on. Moving on. See, look what you did, Sam. Look what you did. All right. So this one's from Catherine. Catherine says, I'm sure you've already gotten 85 emails about Paul being wrong about the Chronicles of Narnia, but I'm willing to bet that none of them have been able to give you a reason as to why Paul is wrong. The reason that the movies, which to be fair, Paul is correct about, they are not good, start with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, is because it is, in fact, the first book in the series. If you check the publication dates, you will find that the books were originally published in the following order. Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, 1950, Prince Caspian, 51, Voyage of the Dawn Treader, 52, Silver Chair, 53, the Horse and His Boy, 54, The Magician's Nephew, 55, The Last Battle, 56. Why the difference? Because as best as I can tell, sometime in the early 2000s, someone at the publishing house decided that they knew better than C.S. Lewis and decided to rearrange them in chronological order, beginning with The Magician's Nephew. But this is because that person has no idea that the original order was entirely intentional and is indeed important. The Chronicles of Narnia are arranged on the story structure of an old Irish epic. People tend to forget that Lewis was not English, but Irish. In an old Irish epic, the story is structured in such a way that you do not know the beginning of the story until right before the end, and you'll take a digression or two from the main story along the way. I discovered this in graduate school, when I was studying old Irish literature. As soon as I read the description of the epic structure, I said to myself, Holy shit, it's the Chronicles of Narnia. Attached, you'll find a photograph of the boxed set I got around 1984, which has the books in the order in which they were originally published. Thank you for all the hard work you both do and for keeping me company while I cook and wash dishes. And thank you both for being such strong advocates for mental health. It took me far too long to seek out therapy, and it's been one of the best decisions I ever made. All the best to you, and stay spooky, Catherine. So, Catherine, before I, before I let uh, the nerd out of the cage here, because he's ready, he's, he's beaten at the bars. He's be <laughs> no, 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 no. As you all know, I have a great deal of respect for Paul's knowledge. Um, but uh, no, I, I just the mental health thing. I'm glad you good on you for seeking therapy. Anyone who can afford it, it's worth it. Talk therapy is good. Talk therapy helps. Now, Paul, on to the real stuff. You, you have a challenge to this assertion that this happened in the 2000s. Yeah, because um, the box set I had in 1981, which I've also supplied a picture of, The Magician's Nephew as book number one in the series, um, and was the order we were told to read them at my school in England. One could also point out that The Magician's Nephew is set in 1900, and The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe is set in 1940. Um, and Lewis himself and the family uh, decided on the order. And I mean, I think this is down to where you're from. Because Catherine's quite right. The order they were published in is very different. But the order they were published in was not the order they were written in. Though The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe was the first book he wrote, the rest of them were just published when the publishers decided to do it. Lewis couldn't remember. I think with Dawn Treader and 
a horse and his boy, he couldn't remember which one of those he wrote first. And in 1957, he wrote a letter to an American schoolboy advising him that, in his opinion, The Magician's Nephew is the first book of the series and should be read as such. Well, there you go, Catherine. Shots fired. The great Narnian <laughs> war is upon us. It depends where you are. I would imagine different countries have different versions. Because like I say, that box that I had when I was nine clearly has them all numbered one to seven, and The Magician's Nephew is clearly book number one in the series. Well, let's check the ones that are selling in, on, at Indigo here in Canada. What do they have? What do they have? They actually have the original order. They have Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe first, the ones being sold in Canada. We are a backwards people. Yeah. I saw a box set that Abe Books are selling for £700. Oh, wow. Which is a collection of the original hard copies, and they've got The Magician's Nephew as book number one as well in that series. Let's all agree to be right. There we go. Everyone's right. No one's wrong. The movies stink. <laughs> yes, even though Netflix have got the rights now. Oh, do they? Well, I mean, they're cutting back on their content spend, so maybe they'll just leave it where it is. Mm. Yeah, spend some more money on Lockwood & Co. instead and bring that back. <laughs> I was going to say another extraction movie, but yeah, Lockwood & Co. too. Yeah, or the Grey Man or whatever it is. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I extra the extraction movies are actually good. Uh, although I will say, I have seen Grey Man like four times. So it, it's not good, but there is something... I don't know. There, it's just got this sort of earworm quality where if I put it on in the background, I can kind of tune in and enjoy it and then tune out. People have joked that Netflix is like second screen entertainment. So it's what you have on in the background while you're looking at your phone. And I don't like that assessment of, of entertainment because, you know, I like movies and things like this, but yeah, the gray man kind of qualifies, you know. I've watched that thing twice on planes. I have plane movies, movies that I just, I know so well that I can watch them and I don't notice the time passing because I hate flying. So I, I will watch Ocean's 13. That is one of my plane movies. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. That yep. is one of my plane movies. And The Gray Man has become one a, against all odds. Clearly, people need to watch Celebrity My House is Haunted because that's my kind of background. <laughs> I mean, that is what deserves to be background noise. We'll say that. <laughs> all right. Our next message is from Randy who says, Paul recently covered the town I live in on an episode of Mysteries and Monsters. And while you guys were talking on a recent episode of the Ghost Story Guys about Native American cultures having stories about creatures in the wood, I was reminded of something I saw recently on a Facebook post that happened in my town. I live in Baraboo, Wisconsin. Paul will likely remember this town as being home to the old Baraboo Inn, a haunted bar in an area that he covered on the episode with his guest Chad Lewis. The old Baraboo Inn is not the only supposed haunted place in this town. Baraboo was the winter headquarters for the Ringling Circus, and many of the hauntings are connected to the Ringling family in some way. This includes the Owl Ringling Mansion, which is now a brewery, and the Owl Ringling Theatre. There's also a strange myth that there's an underground tunnel system that connects many of the houses in the area that was built in the Ringling family, but I doubt that. Baraboo is also home to the most visited state park in all of Wisconsin, the Devil's Lake State Park, and is an extremely popular attraction for people to visit, and you've guessed it, also a hub of strange activity. I've got the post that I saw on social media attached to this email if you want to read it, but basically somebody reported seeing a few humanoid figures running alongside their car near the Devil's Lake. In the comments in the story, many people have reported seeing something similar, 
and often describe them as having short, dark fur. Others have described them as looking as if they were bobbing their heads. I'm not sure about the significance of this, but I've seen it mentioned several times, whilst others have described them as blurry, almost as if they were glitching out. Devil's Lake was supposedly a place of great importance to the Native Americans in the area, with other native tribes travelling from far away to the destination for ceremonies and whatnot. I don't listen to Brennan's PSA about staying out of the woods, so my wife and I go to Devil's Lake often, but we've never seen anything strange ourselves. There have been times when I've gotten a weird feeling on the trails, but nothing that has ever made me feel as if we were in imminent danger. Anyway, apologies for the ramble, I just thought Paul would like to know there's even more to this little strange place than he may have realised. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. P.S. You guys should totally have the boys from Monsterfoot's podcast on one of your Talk Spooky to Me episodes. I feel like you really get along great. I mean, Paul, in fact, has been a guest on Monster Fuzz. I have. Top lads. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good guys. I'm supposed to be going back on Monster Fuzz at some point. See, see what the boys are uh, fancying fitting me in. So, uh, yeah, I had a great time talking with them. Uh, I don't know, about 18? Oh, God, it might be two years ago now. You were on the show, so it wouldn't have been more than two years. But, uh, yeah, they did a live event, I yeah. think, recently. They're really doing well, those guys. And as well they should be. They're great creators. Yeah, they've just climbed Mount Snowden again recently as well. All right, now they're bastards. Now they're just showing <laughs> off. Yeah, they're good. Uh, they're good lads. I like them. You know, they. My sense of humor, dark and strange. Yes. <laughs> hey, I'm right there with you. <laughs> Devil's Lake. I feel like that's popped up in a bunch of missing person stuff. I can't remember the specifics, but that sounds familiar. Yeah, it does seem to be one of those areas that is just everything's sighted around there from late monsters to giant birds to bigfoot ghosts so uh yeah who knows what's going on there no kidding i gotta say i mean i respect the whole going out into the woods thing uh randy even if i don't think it makes much sense but uh hey you do you i consider myself an honorary wisconsinite anyway now I'm so because your, your enthusiasm for cheese no it's a running job i've had emails from other paranormal people from Wisconsin who want to know, because apparently I've had more Wisconsinites on the show than any other state. <laughs> really? Yeah. I've had several on, because Alison Jordan's a Wisconsinite, I think. Right. Her brother Mike Huberty is. Chad, obviously. Oh, of um, course. Is, I think it's Kevin Lee Nelson, a Wisconsinite. For some reason, I always had it in my head those guys were, min were Minnesota. I don't know why I thought that. So, uh, yeah, so I'm part badger now. <laughs> Next up is from M. M says, Hey guys, absolutely gutted I couldn't make it to pair meet. I'd been looking forward to meeting you in person and listening to Paul's talk, but due to deers hitting cars, no courtesy cars available, and train strikes, it was unfortunately not to be. Hope you had a fabulous weekend. Please don't tell me Paul is giving a talk on Bigfoot, for that will really be the icing on the fucking week from hell. Thanks again for the amazing podcast. Lots of love, M. And M, it's, we're so sorry you couldn't make it. That sucks. Especially it sounds like for awful terrible reasons jesus we hope you're safe and everyone is unharmed mm, yeah and uh, i can't believe you've missed me revealing the the, the most compelling bigfoot footage of all time um, and, oh. <laughs> certainly not people me in were, a suit people were throwing themselves out the window they were terrified luckily it was the ground floor <laughs> a lot and of the windows were open. <laughs> yeah well finally they opened the windows jesus i thought i was going to die during the previous talk 
Yes, it was. Uh, it was not the day to be stuck in a stuffy old building with no aircon. Well, on the bright side, we know no one there had COVID because if they did, everyone in that room would have had it. <laughs> yes, but uh, no, I didn't do a talk on Bigfoot. I did a talk about strange encounters with paranormal animals. Yes, uh, and patrons of the Ghost Story Guys, you actually have exclusive access to that talk. I recorded it, and it is up there. And it will be on the Mysteries and Monsters page uh, pretty soon, we're hoping. Yeah. Yes. There may be a version of it appearing in the Christmas issue of Haunted Magazine. Fantastic. The Bestelant, the Bestelant, the Renaissance, the Paul Bestelants. <laughs> Bestelants. The Bestelants. The Bestelants is upon us. Wee oui, wee. Oui. No, I, I just went, thanks. Hey! <laughs> takes us back to an earlier conversation. It really does, yeah. Oh, God. You guys missed out on the, the Patreon live stream for folks at the $10 level and above. We met a gentleman called Piss Jugman. That's all I'll say. We met a gentleman <laughs> called Piss Jugman. You're going to have to watch the playback for the patrons at the $10 level and above if you want to get in on that magic. That was a conversation. I'm sure glad we have understanding patrons. <laughs> and they went with it. They did. Bless them. Chris writes, Hey guys, so just listening to Talk Spooky to Me. And Brennan mentioned Canadian tyre money. Now this isn't spooky, but worth a laugh. I deliver pizza for one of the larger chains, Brennan. And I spoke about this whilst he was in Montreal. So last summer, in 2022, friend and former co-worker got a large order on a rather busy evening. It was about $210 worth of food, pizza, chicken, drinks, etc. He took it along with two other deliveries and off he went. When he got to the apartment complex, he called the customer to see if someone could meet him in the lobby because there was a lot of food and he wasn't going to be able to bring it up all at once. Customer said, sure. My friend took just the two litre drinks and the debit machine because he was still wary that this wasn't a legit order. The customer comes to the lobby and my friend hands them the machine and says they will be paying cash, which is fine. My friend then puts the machine in his pocket and the customer hands him a wad of bills. Right away he looks at the wad, and you've guessed it, it was all Canadian tyre money. <laughs> now Brennan can attest that not only does it not look like regular currency, it doesn't even feel like it. When my friend said to the customer, um, this is Canadian tyre money? She replied, oh I'm so sorry, I'm colour blind and didn't notice. My friend then asked if she had another means to pay, in which she said no. Then she said, well what are we going to do about the food? To which my friend replied, I'm going to deliver my other orders and bring it back to the store. The things people try and get away with. Honestly, I'm impressed that they had that much Canadian time money. My brother said they were going to scam you, at least put a few real bills on the outside, and I hope this gives you guys a chuckle. And yeah, Chris is, uh, of course, Chris and his wife Nikki had me over for dinner when I was in Montreal. Uh, really <laughs> lovely people. That's cheeky, man. That's <laughs> cheeky as shit. And he's absolutely right. Put, put something on the outside. I mean, I guess here in Canada, it's harder because we don't have a dollar, like $1 bills. But even put a five on the outside to just pretend you're trying to fool them. I'm colorblind. Get bent. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm colorblind. That, that reminds me years ago when I was living over on Simcoe Street, there was this woman who lived above us. My, Nick called her Mrs. Fish because she said she was like a fishwife. And which... You know, Paul will understand the reference. I don't know that that's going to work outside of the UK, but uh, how would you describe a, someone as a fishwife? Sort of sour-faced. 
Yeah, yeah, kind of like, kind of loud and brash and... As one of the sayings here, you could say, looks like a bulldog chewing a wasp. Nick uses that all the time. Yep, or, looks like uh, a bulldog is, chewing on a wasp. Or a bulldog licking piss off a nettle. Okay, haven't heard that one. <laughs> the other one Nick likes to use is vinegar tits, but anyways, let's <laughs> not dwell. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's very common up north, that one. But uh, anyway, so going back to, to Mrs. Fish, <laughs> so she was not a nice woman, is what we're getting at. And I remember one day I was sitting on my balcony having a beer, middle of the day, and this taxi pulls up in the parking lot, and Mrs. Fish gets out, and I hear Mrs. Fish's voice. And I start listening closer, she's getting testy with a cab driver. And she is telling him that she doesn't have her wallet, it's inside her apartment. So he has to let her go inside to get her, her wallet. And he said, oh, that's fine, but you have to leave your groceries in the car, because obviously I'm not stupid. And she's like, oh no, no, I'm going to take my groceries. And he's of course saying, no, that absolutely is not going to happen. And then she says to him, I can't remember what apartment I'm in. I'm sorry? I, I can't remember my apartment number. I can only remember my apartment number if I do things in like my usual habit. And that means bringing in my groceries. If you don't bring, let me bring my groceries, I, I can't remember where I live and I can't get you your money. And I have never seen, now bear in mind, I'm watching this from three floors up and I've still never seen a look of disappointment the way I did on that cab driver's face. Like I, I've been in bed with women and have them look less disappointed than this guy looked. <laughs> and he, he just, he's, I heard him say, nope, nope, your groceries will be kept safe at the office. You come pay for them. You can have them back. And she ran after him screaming that she was going to call the cops for stealing her groceries. I just thought, man, what balls. My wallet's inside. Okay, go get it. You have to leave your groceries here. I can't remember what apartment I live in. Good Lord. That's common practice. If you've left your wallet inside, you've got to leave something in the cab. Oh, of course. No, she was trying to rip this guy off. Oh, yeah. 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 If you're going to do that, you don't do a week shopping, you know, (laughs) do you? Yeah, running yeah. off with three little bags or something. Was in going exiting. <laughs> this, to, to say that this was not a bright lady, I think, is an understatement. I remember one night, uh, Nick and I always knew when she was about to kick off, because her bedroom was above ours. Anyone would make a noise outside. A squirrel would break wind. And you would hear this thump as her feet hit the floor, and then thump, 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 as she went over to the window. And then you'd hear the curtains being pulled aside, and she'd be shrieking out the window, Be quiet! At top volume you know there were there were crystal decanters shattering at the at the tone of the voice and there was one time these two guys were on these are neighbors they were having a chat on their balcony and they weren't being loud i mean they were talking outside but they weren't being loud or anything laying in bed we hear thump 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 thump. curtains window shut the fuck up you're being loud at a volume many times above anything they were saying. And uh, bear in mind, it's one in the morning. So you could make a case for, hey guys, can you have this conversation inside? That would be a reasonable conversation. Mm -hmm. And one of the guys said, hey lady, you know, you're making more noise than we did. And she went, shut up. (laughs) And the guy said, hey, uh, you know, I I understand your point of view, but why didn't you just knock on my door instead of creating this big scene? Yeah. And she said, I'm naked and... (laughs) Pregnant. And afraid. And tired, yeah, and afraid, and on fire. The floor is lava. It just, this, again, she was very bad at lying. 
And mm-hmm. uh, needless to say, naked she may have been, I care not to imagine this, but she most certainly was not pregnant. Yeah. She's probably forgotten which room she was in, that's why she was frightened. It's all coming together. She was distraught with grief over her lost groceries. She was too busy looking for a wallet. <laughs> that's it. Yes, some people say you can still hear her spirit wandering <laughs> looking for her wallet. Where is my Canadian tire money? <laughs> After she left, this guy took over, who eventually ended up setting the building on fire. Yeah, it, it was crazy. We, we don't know. They, he lived above us, and I think we went out of town, and we came back, and there was, like, blackening all around his patio door, and this guy had gone off his meds or something and had set the place on fire, and it, it was just luck that we didn't get, our place didn't get ruined. It was just dumb luck. Yeah, I'm not sad to have moved out of that building. Sounds lovely. I mean, it's, it's not a Sheffield story, but for Victoria, that's, that's noteworthy. <laughs> there were no machetes involved. Yeah, yes. Lucky you were out of town. <laughs> wink, wink. Can, you, can his, you hear it? When his room caught fire. It'll happen again if he's not careful. <laughs> Don't make me take another trip out of town. <laughs> to the petrol store. <laughs> that's right. All right, so this next one is from Zoe, uh, who is, I believe, just on our, uh, our live stream. Yeah. Hey, working on a major project for a major award and listening to new and back episodes to keep me sane and on track-ish. Don't know the exact episode, but Brennan was talking about bear training, which is not as kinky as it sounds. <laughs> no, it's really not. I also got that when I worked in Grand Teton National Park as a fresh-faced high school graduate. That, in turn, brought up a story which my husband and I have agreed to disagree on, which you will find below. Additionally, and not related to giant spectral bears, my kids have been begging me to ask you to do an episode on the haunting of Halifax, Nova Scotia. My oldest has been reading Elliot Page's biography, and apparently he mentions his hometown of Halifax being super haunted. And the kids often sing a song about the Halifax explosion, fire and flame by the Longest Johns. So we figured between all the maritime disasters and the explosion, Halifax should have a ton of stories. You guys rock, hands down my favorite podcast. So thank you so much, and Zoe's shared a story that we'll be including on a future episode that would give some context to what was said here, but we have limited time today, so we, we're not going to share it. But yeah, I would love to do a Haunted Halifax episode at some point. I would love to actually see Halifax. I've never been to the Maritimes. I don't know if you're truly Canadian until you've been to the Maritimes. Yeah, near Oak Island. I suppose it is. Yeah, yeah. I can go look for sinkholes. <laughs> yes. A place I remember off the top of my head in Halifax, Nova Scotia, that's supposed to be haunted, is the Five Fishermen Restaurant. Oh, okay. I don't know it. Mm. What's what's the story there? It's just a very spooky uh, restaurant. Oh, okay. Strange things happen and things move about and people hear strange noises. It's owned by Russian men with hairy chests and people go missing if they don't pay their bills. (laughs) Or try to pay in tire money. (laughs) Oh, that one's going to keep coming back for a while. (laughs) Lauren writes Hello there from Seattle I came across your podcast when my sister shared the Iowa episode My two sisters and I grew up there and are always pleased to see that this flyover state we call home can be notable when it comes to our favourite topics Your voices and friendship have helped me a lot in the past few weeks as I settle into a new apartment after selling a home amidst a divorce I laugh out loud between the goosebumps I get from the stories and it somehow makes me feel like I'm home. Thank you for that. I've just listened to an episode from the spring, where a mum burned sage when her son spoke of seeing water fill up the hallway. 
Whilst I was still living in my house after my ex moved out, I was saging every day to get rid of his energy. But still I would place my hang on objects that were considered his and feel the dark energy lingering. Then I was told by an energy worker to burn Paolo Santo, either simultaneously or immediately after burning sage. While sage eliminates negative energy, it leaves room for different negative energies to enter. Paolo Santo, on the other hand, brings in positive energy. She said, you need to get rid of the bad stuff while also inviting good stuff to take its place. I hope this helps somebody out there. It certainly helped me. I love listening to you on my drives to work or whilst I'm unpacking boxes or while I'm just laying on my bed, recalibrating to this new and unknown life. Thank you so very much for your speaking out of mental health. Even though I am much better than months ago, those messages hit me in just the right spot. Well, thank you very much, Lauren. That is very cool. I'm, I'm, also, I'm also happy to know that the Iowa episode uh, has landed with folks from Iowa, because that's one of the reasons we love doing shows about areas that don't usually get a lot of attention, is mm-hmm. uh, one, you never know what kind of cool stuff you're going to find, and there was some really interesting shit in the Iowa episode. But also, I, I just know as someone who comes from a place that doesn't get a lot of spooky attention, or didn't until I wrote a book about it, it's always neat when you see your uh, hometown or home state pop up in a place. And yeah, that's just really cool. Home to one of my favorite cryptids, the Van Meter Monster. Of course. I, I, how could I forget? Cameron, do you have one of the stuffies of that? No, not yet. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now I know what yeah. I'm getting you for Christmas. That's, that's when you know your cryptids, when you know, you, you know, Van Meter, you know. It's not just the usual fare. Van Meter Monster stuffy. There we go. <laughs> I knew Etsy wouldn't let me down. <laughs> Our final message of today is from Sam D. Sam says, Brennan and Paul, I've been listening to the show probably since around episode 10 or 11. I recognize your name immediately, Sam. And I've even had the privilege of hearing you read a story or two that I've sent in. First off, I just want to say that I feel like as time goes on, the show just keeps getting better and better. I, for one, love the banter as much as the stories. I also enjoyed you talking about knee injuries the other day, as I personally, at the allegedly mature age of 41, Decided to jump on a trampoline and completely destroyed my left knee. Oh, Sam, that sucks. I had a friend a long time ago, his girlfriend, she was like lecturing people on trampoline safety. And then she got on the trampoline and she just, just destroyed her ankle. Just, she couldn't have destroyed it anymore if she'd run over it with a Mack truck and then sent a threatening letter to its grieving mother. It just, (laughs) just mangled it. Yes, yes. I had a very fortunate mishap the other week. Oh no. I tripped up in the front room and fell face first onto a glass and bounced off it. Well, that's lucky. <laughs> Landed around my eye and I just bounced off it. The glass didn't break. Jesus. <laughs> Always being a lucky bugger. No kidding. Good luck. Lo- well, he still ended up on the call with me, so I don't know how lucky you are, but. <laughs> All right, Sam goes on to say, Anyway, I thought of something the other day that I thought you would find interesting. I know you've had many discussions on the show about whether or not our ability to perceive or not perceive ghosts may have something to do with them operating on a different wavelength within the electromagnetic spectrum. I have a similar scientific thought about a completely different phenomenon that I wanted to share. Recently, physicists have discovered definitive proof of gravitational waves. Think about incredibly dense and massive objects in the universe causing ripples in gravity itself, much like ripples on a lake. I would suspect that just like when waves of water collide with each other coming from many different directions, occasionally, they will interact in a way that they amplify each other and cause much higher than average spikes or troughs within the surface medium. 
Now, according to relativity, time slows down in an extremely strong gravitational field. I'm wondering if it's possible that instances where someone loses a block of time is simply them happening upon one of these combined spikes within gravity, causing a relative slowing of time for them at that particular location, with the rest of the world outside of that localized spot experiencing time at the usual rate. So, while they only experience a few minutes, every place else maintains the normal speed of time and can experience hours. Think a transient, localized spot similar to the water planet in the movie Interstellar. Anyway, just a random thought I had that I thought you guys might find interesting. Keep up the great work, thoroughly enjoying being along for the ride. Well, Sam, it's a privilege to have you. Thank you for listening as long as you have. Like I said, I recognized your name immediately. That is a really interesting thought, Paul. It is. There's a long-running discussion about this particular aspect of gravity. It's been theorized for a very long time. I think it was the end of the 19th century that it was first proposed that gravity moved in waves. Now, depending on whether you have no interest in physics or you just like listening to people who pretend that perhaps they've done more than they've said and they've made a career out of it. A lot of people think that the first person to ever discuss gravity waves is Bob Lazar. Okay. But that only works if you have no interest in physics, because as I say, it's been around for about 100 years that it was a theory. Right. It began to get real scientific investigation in the sort of early 70s, So by the time Lazar turns up 20 years later, as a student of physics and chemistry, he would have been aware of gravitational wave research at that particular time. And in fact, I can't remember the chap, but the gentleman, I think, was he an Italian scientist? Anyway, he ended up winning the Nobel Prize for Physics in 1993 due to his research in gravitational waves. So the fact that Lazar starts talking about it four years prior to that is irrelevant. It was already fairly well known in certain circles in that, ironically, certain circles of that (laughs) theory. So it has been proven now that there are certain aspects of the universe where this theory of of gravitational wave does work and therefore it can be applied to, to any part of the universe depending on the conditions that are there. So whilst some of the things that Lazar mentions are quite odd and different, that is not one of them. And it would only impress somebody who knew nothing about physics. Alien it's easy cakes. to believe anything when you know nothing. Well, yeah. And sometimes it's hard to let go of new things. And, and I mean, it's one of the aspects of time travel as well, that people, Einstein sort of postulated on this aspect of it, especially around black holes, that time's supposed to slow down. And perhaps the way that we can use time travel is to sort of fire ourselves towards a black hole to spin back out of it though how much energy you would need to be able to fly towards a black hole and get away from it, who yeah. knows? But um, it is one of the, one of the parts of, of time travel theory is that the closer you are to a black hole, the slower time becomes. I, I remember the scene from Interstellar that Sam's talking about, the, the water mm. planet, I think is one of the most harrowing scenes in modern science fiction. Not just because of what is depicted, you know, in terms of like the giant uh, skyscraper waves, but what they mean. You know, this idea that you've kind of gone into a blind alley that's cost you years. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, and I don't know if it's because I saw Flight of the Navigator as a kid or something, but that's always been a fear of mine, is just having, like, suddenly missing, like, losing years. Mm-hmm. I've had nightmares about it. And again, I, it just, it's this very profound fear, but I don't quite know where it comes from. Well, it's something that's always been with us from 
fairy tales and, and legends, you know, you think of Rapunzel, Rumpelstiltskin, Rip Van Winkle, they're all stories like that. The Fae, there are stories yeah. of people, you know, having a dance with the Fae and then coming back out eight years, ten years later and their loved ones have passed on or moved on. So the, the fear of, of being caught somewhere, time moves in a very different way, has been with us since humans could talk, I would imagine, and, and tell stories. It's a fear that a lot of people have, and I think it says a lot about sometimes how we can feel powerless as time marches on in, in a variety of ways. Yeah, that's very true. Just to put a button on that, I actually received a message last night, because I'm going to Revelstoke, obviously, uh, this weekend for my sister's wedding, and I received a message from someone who uh, I'm familiar with them. I don't know them well, but I, I've heard of them. But they've invited to take me on a drive out to a place they call Creepfest Road in the woods outside Revelstoke. So uh, <laughs> if that doesn't sound like an invitation to go disappear for a few years, I don't know what does. <laughs> I look forward to seeing you in the next 411 book, Stupid Boogers. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that has been this episode of Talk Spooky to Me. Thanks to everyone who wrote in. And we remember, we read everything you send, even if it doesn't make it onto the show. We'd love, love, love hearing from you guys. And if you want to send us a story for a main show or a comment for Talk Spooky, send it to ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. We're on Facebook as Ghost Story Guys. Our group is the Ghost Story Guys, finally made a group. And we're on Instagram as the Ghost Story Guys. Paul, where can everyone find you online? You can find me as Mysteries and Monsters on all social media platforms, online at mysteriesandmonsters.com, and also across all podcast networks. Fabulous. I'm Largely the Truth on Instagram, Threads, and Blue Sky. I'm on Twitter as well, but I don't really use it anymore. You can, however, still follow me there if you like. My other show, Weird Together, a horror movie review podcast, that's also available wherever you get your podcasts, and you can also find us on YouTube. And of course, we like to end Talk Spooky with a song, and we do indeed have a brand new song for you. This is a new song from our buddy Rainy Days for Ghosts. Of course, Rainy Days for Ghosts is a project of our composer Jerry Smith. Jerry is a musician and film journalist from Central California, and he had originally intended to put Rainy Days for Ghosts to bed for reasons which are personal and I won't get into here. He had decided to let the project go, but he had a change of heart. And so the latest single appropriately entitled We Are Ghosts, has just dropped on streaming platforms everywhere. And so on this episode, that will be the song we go out to. And again, that is Rainy Days for Ghosts with We Are Ghosts. You'll find a link to that in the show notes. You can find more from them at rainydaysforghosts.bandcamp.com. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll catch you next time.